Alan Anderson and Sarah Brown here with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Yeah, 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 what's up? Yo, <laughs> yo, what's up? So we want to start talking to you about how your band formed in Middleburg, Florida. How does it feel? Well, pretty much from a really small town in the middle of the woods. It feels great because nobody ever thought we were going to make it, we did. Now, I understand that you guys started as a really small town, like sensation, but you quickly became favorites and then you went national. How did that feel going national from that? Well, it was kind of all at once. We had a couple of like different record labels fly into Middleburg and come into our trailer, which we were jamming at at a certain time, uh, the trailer that I lived in, and they watched the band and liked the band and decided that they thought that we could be a band that people would like. So they started making us offers, and we didn't take any for a while, and we eventually got one that we thought was right, and we took it. And less than a year later, I guess, big, as they call it, <laughs> bigger than in the middle of the woods, anyway. So what artist would you say has influenced the most musically? Oh, that's a real question. We were actually just talking about something. We grew up on rock and roll, so rock and roll in general. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we like, you know, are those bands. Yeah. Of course, everybody probably says like the Beatles and mm-hmm. stuff whenever it plays rock. But I don't know. I think I, we were in a punk rock, like southern punk rock at our time. Once again, not necessarily, like, you know, it's like our music. Distortion, guitars, drums. Yeah. Bands that like, do that. <laughs> you know, for us, it was... Singer. You know, we're all in like our mid-twenties, so like when we were kids in high school, we were listening to Blink-182, uh, when they were first coming out with like Cheshire Cat, yeah. Dude Ranch, and stuff like that, and MXPX, Wagwagon, NoFX, Strung Out, RX Bandits, Phoenix TX, pretty much, like you said, anything that had distortion, kind of like punky drums, mm-hmm. is what we jammed. But then again, also, we were kind of like the post-grunge era, so we still were like really jamming, you know, like Soundgarden, Nirvana, The longer that it's been since the album has been out, I 
think my perspective is continually changing. Because when it first came out, I didn't think it was any different at all. To me, it was exactly the same. It was the same red jumpsuit apparatus going to the studio and making an album, right? But in retrospect, there was a lot of drama that was going down at the time. We were having a lot of issues with our label and some internal issues with the band as well. Years later, when you reflect upon that, you like to think that, okay, well, maybe that did, maybe that did have a little bit to do with the music that we were creating. Like, I didn't ever want to, I'm not even going to say admit that, because I don't, I'm still not admitting that, because I don't even think I should admit it, but I just didn't see it from that perspective. Literally years later now, we're, you know, we're about to release another EP in June, and I'm thinking about the new music that we have now, and I'm so unbelievably stoked about it, and so excited about it, way more than I was about Lonely Road coming out. But I can understand and honestly say that there was turmoil, there was some inner conflict, and there was some major label issues, and now we're unsigned as far as we're not with our label that we were with anymore because we left them, and we also don't have any more internal conflicts, so now we're if anything, we've kind of gone back to where we were before we really even started, which is awesome because we're writing music that we love and that we like to play and we actually have fun playing. Even if there's not one single person in the crowd, we can look around at each other and have a good time playing the songs. Cause it's like riding a roller coaster. It's like literally fun to just play it and, and live in the musical moment. So. so what is the sound of that new EP that's coming out? I would just say old school. It's just kind of, like I said, to me, it just reminds me of being in the trailer again. Just not, no holes barred, no rules, just wherever we feel like going. Crazy. Uh, one of the main guys who run the store's name is Reese Butler. Mm-hmm. And he's hooked up with the Kirsten Brooks Hope Center. And in 2007, we headlined the Take Action Tour, which was a big tour. That was paired with the Kirsten Brooks Hope Center and the Youth Hotline, which is 187 Youth Line. And basically, we've always just retained that relationship. And Reese reached out to us and said, you know, I got this show in Boston. I know you guys are doing your tour, but if you could just come do this one show, it would be amazing for us. And I said, yes, because I like Reese. And I like his foundation. And I like what he does. And I believe in suicide prevention 100%. So we're on this one show. We try to do as much as we can for one night. And then after that, we, we part ways. And we go our own route. Not respect for the tour. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I wish we were on the tour. <laughs> we, we actually went off at the tour. So that would have been nice. But we did, we did get off at this one show. We took it. So you had mentioned that there had been a little bit of turmoil going on for What can you tell us about your relationship with Virgin Records? Well, the sad thing about Virgin is, which this has nothing to do with my opinion, it's just a, a matter of fact, is that since we've been signed to them, they had never really had a staff for over a year. Uh, we were signed to them for like five years. And continually, people were being fired, rehired, fired, rehired, fired, rehired. So you can only be reintroduced to certain people who are supposedly on your side X amount of times before you start to lose belief in system. So I would just say, you know, their inability to sustain a proper working system. They can't function. Sounds they have silly. problems functioning. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with me. You can Google it. So yeah. just look into their employment history if you want to. And their market share value if you want. I mean, they just have problems. I'm surprised the lights in the building are on simply. And uh, it's just that simple. You know, it just we're used to running our business on a much more efficient level. We're pretty much the same people that were around when we started this thing. So for us, it's just kind of like run our business a lot more efficiently than they do. That was always a conflict with us. We, when you go to complain to somebody, it's kind of hard to complain to somebody who's supposed to be a product manager, but he was fired three months ago and nobody even told you. Oh, wow. well, how can you complain to your new product manager about what your last product manager did when he doesn't care because that doesn't work here anymore? So that problem already gets lost in the mix. You know what I mean? So like nothing really ever gets solved. People just keep blaming other people because they don't work there anymore, so they can get away with it. And then nothing, the cycle perpetuates over and over again until eventually you're out of your deal. And nothing ever gets solved. 
major corporations have a, a lot of problems. You know, they specifically major labels. I mean, I haven't worked for many other uh, major corporations in my existence, but I have worked for one of those. So they sure as hell couldn't do it when we were there. I can tell them that. You did. So you hear all these stories about like, you know rock bands on the road. What's one misconception of being on tour? <laughs> That's pretty much the only thing I always thought. Yeah. <laughs> that it's fun. No misconceptions. No misconceptions. It's all true. Well, I think it's it's a it's a, it's a Lifestyle, I guess, where it's very open. So, like, mm-hmm. many bands do different things, you know? So, it is something where you don't have to do, like, you don't have to necessarily be somewhere with a certain attitude, like, every morning or every night. So, man, we've met so many bands. Yeah, everybody just eat right in front of me. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so many different bands and attitudes and different things. I think it's just the freedom in general that gets people go wild, so. So, also, we're on the uh, tour subject. Your band got pulled over in Mississippi. What was that about? Uh, uh, we get pulled over all the time, so... Let's see if we can refresh my memory on this one. The, Which time? The headlights were out. No, that wasn't Mississippi. When I had to, yeah, the, no, that was Mississippi. Yeah. It was Tupelo. Okay, yeah, okay, you're right. All right, you're right. I take that. Yeah, DOT, um, Department of Transportation. We're good guys, whatever. Don't have anything against them. They're doing their job. All right, we had our trail lights were out, and they pulled us over. And we had kind of like a burning issue, so our tour manager, who just ran out of the room because he doesn't want me to talk about him because he's shy, uh, fixed it, and we made it to the show. So that's just one of those kind of tour uh, hazards that... You never really know what's going to happen you know, when you drive. You know, we drove literally, uh, by the time we actually get back to our tour, like I said, this is just kind of a one-stop for us. We were only three, almost 3,000 miles out of our way round trip just to do this one show. So in 3,000 miles, anything can happen. You know, you can hit a bump and a wire gets yanked out, or you blow a tire, or a light goes out, or a fuse blows inside of your engine, or your transmission goes, or a fuel injection line blows, or you didn't change the oil, or whatever. I mean, you know, it's really kind of, complicated. That one time, apparently our signal lights were out. We just happened to have a cop behind us, so. He's actually a really cool guy and he didn't write us a ticket. Nice. So thanks to you. I don't know your name, but if you're reading this or so hearing this, sure. I do appreciate it because we couldn't afford it, so thank you. We fixed it with duct tape, which is awesome. That's in the tour necessity is duct tape. Duct tape. Duct tape. It's actually not duct tape. It's only called tape. It was, it was black tape. But it's tape. called electrical tape. That's, that's what I You can call it duct tape. Thanks. <laughs> So, what is one of your favorite songs to play, and where's your favorite place to play? Totally bastard rock. You know, obviously our hometowns are favorite. Oh, I'm not afraid to say that. Jacksonville slash Middleburg is my favorite place to play. Not only because we have amazing crowds there, but because half of my friends are in the crowd every time. All of our family, you know, I'll look out in the crowd and I know everybody from front to back, left to right, all the way to the back of the building. So that's always cool. It's just a whole different kind of vibe. Other than that, I think we really like playing internationally. Japan is amazing. Philippines specifically has probably been the most spiritually insane, just awe-inspiring country that we've been to. What's your favorite place to play? Other than Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't know. So that's like a, more of a surprise. You show up in the middle of like nowhere, Kentucky or something, and you're like, what is it? And then like hundreds of people show up. It's a good time. But I don't know. I mean, different things. Even like tonight, we had this House of Blues. It's kind of new. Mm-hmm. I haven't played Boston in a while, so this is cool. I just don't set this. And we've never played. Yeah, we've never played here before. We've never played in a while, so that's kind of cool. Every night is its own vibe. It's kind of really hard to play things. Hometown shows, I think, are the coolest. Like said, yeah, there's like friends and family. It's more like a cake party than the concert. Yeah, it's the last thing you actually think about is the show. Because <laughs> you're just actually home for once and just kind of hanging out. It's always fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Trust me. However, it is cool to see hundreds of Japanese people you could never have a normal conversation with singing songs. And just like, <laughs> there's no way. They can't actually speak English, but they know your words. I'll never be able to figure that out. I haven't been able to figure it out yet. Anyway. And then they take you to wild, wild bars. Does that say that international crowds are different than American crowds? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They're way more stoked. Yeah, well, you never go there. Yeah. So, you know, Americans are jaded. 
Eugenia's punks. You get to see all of us awesome American rock and roll bands all the time. Obviously, I'm not only talking about ourselves. There are many incredible, amazing American rock and roll bands always has been, and you get to see them all the time. Well, they don't. So when we go there, and other bands like us go there, they are extremely grateful, and it's great. It's great to like be treated like literally red carpet stuff. Now, in your pen and paper uh, video that we were watching, just going to switch gears here, who are those people in the photos that you so angrily destroyed? They actually aren't anybody. They are not people, even. They're robots. Oh. So wondering, do you guys have a favorite tour story, like anything crazy that happened one specific event that you remember? <laughs> they were like G-rated, R-rated. College-rated. You know, pretty intense story. It's the Canada-U.S. border, it's always a big thing for bands to cross, like, certain things you can and can't have, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, we got suspected for having drugs on. Oh, God, we're tonight. <laughs> so, it was one of those things where it was like, come on, let us through, like, you know, nothing's happening. But it, they made it a point to take us all out, we got the handcuffs. Uh, the story. This is like an hours and hours long story, but long story short, we, we never got in trouble for anything at the border. No one got in trouble for anything. But we had to do the full, we got a bus search. Strip search uh, what are you hiding up there, search? <laughs> yeah, they made us... Violation. The, the best, the best part of that is there was a point where we're all... How many of There was probably 10, 11 of us or something, all sitting in this like, little cubicle. Wait, all handcuffed, <laughs> just laughing. They would call us them one by one. We knew what was exactly going on. They were so convinced we had yeah. right? So we were just laughing, having a good time. And, but it was just funny to know that we were like getting butt, like mad, like cops. Like, you know, like, right over, like, what do you got? And I was like, dude... <laughs> So, like, this happened, I want to say, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. So, like, three and a half hours later, like, oh 6 o'clock in the morning, we're all delirious, tired. Please, God, so let's go back into the bus and go to sleep. We're so tired. There's nothing. You've literally checked our buttholes and everything. There is nothing here. Finally, they're like, okay, you're free to go. And then our bus driver takes the wrong exit back to the same border. And guess what? We all have to get off the bus again. True story. So they pull us all back out of the bus, and we're like, listen, we literally have, we've been searched, man. Like, trust me, there ain't nothing going on here. So they call, like, takes like 25 minutes, which seems like an eternity after four and a half hours of harassment. And like, okay, you're right. Yep, we have the search notations. And yep, you guys are clear. Okay, so we go back, turn around again, finally get into Canada, like four and a half, five hours later. Wow. And we barely made it to load in that day. Wow. But it was really pissed. Yeah, I can but imagine that. Having a butt search was just not You know, it actually kind of sounds kind of fun until it happens. You're like, <laughs> I was after the... I got a little stage fright. But because we all knew we were good, it was kind of like... Well, I mean, it's not that we worried about getting arrested. It's not like we were like, one guy, like, dude, he's good. It might have been when I was like 17, trying out for a wrestling team. Like, I had to get a physical from a doctor, and it's like, quite pains down. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But it was three Canadian officers. And they were like,
guess what would be going on. But I just owe a bunch of money to a university. <laughs> True. But I think we were... College loans. We're, we're, pretty, uh, <laughs> we're, we're pretty happy with what we're doing, but I don't know. You know I guess because it is a little different, you kind of almost want to put yourself... Just like people who aren't doing what we're doing, they want, I wonder what it would be like to do this. We still throw it back. And be like, well, what would it be like to be doing that? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I guess I have a totally opposite perspective. That's why we're in a band together. I hate school. I always hated school. I hate it, period. I don't want to go to college. I went one time, sucked, spent all my money on beer. Yep. Ronnie pulled me out of college, and I thank him for it every day. <laughs> I got two scholarships for music and one grant. I spent all of it on beer. Me too. And then I left. <laughs> and I partied as hard as I could for one semester. And then I started a rock band, and then I got a record show. I know that won't happen for everybody, but it sure as hell happened for me. I'll never take it back. But I'm not saying, like, I don't know, I guess just, I think that, like, that's like, a, like you said, it's like a life choice, man. I think you just need to have already made a decision. I already knew I was into rock and roll, so going to college for me was more of, like, fulfilling, like, what my grandparents wanted. I had the grades, had the scholarships. We gotta go. You're already accepted. You can already get in. So I went just for the sake of making them, but I didn't want to go, so I wanted to go. And that's, like, your passion. Like, my passion is rock and roll. Yeah, that's what you should do. That's your passion. Absolutely do it and nail it and kick ass at it. But if that isn't your passion... What's up, Cell College? This is John. Ronnie. I'm Joey. And we are the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus Minus Two Guys. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this interview. Check us out on our website and enjoy college. Let's rules, baby. Woo!